Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. Hey, Holly, we're back. We're back. Dun, 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 dun. It's our fourth season of Fireside Phantoms podcast. Can you believe that? It seems like we started this yesterday. I know. Well, I'm very excited. Uh, we're going to announce what we've been working on during our break. That's right. This season, we're going to be focusing, of course, on our regular ghost stories mm-hmm. and spooky tales we find around the world. Yes. But instead of our adaptations of grim fairy tale stories, we're retiring that. Um, This year, we've decided to do episodes every other week featuring our favorite topics. That's right. Called Tarot Talk. Tarot Talk. (laughs) Not Terror Talk. Tarot Talk. (laughs) But we might include terror tips. (laughs) We might. And Astro Updates. Astro Updates. Woohoo. We hope you'll enjoy learning all about the tarot and the ways it can be useful. And of course, um, we we're finding out its limitations yeah. in some areas. And then, of course, we'll be using the current planetary aspects and transits to have a pulse on the upcoming events and energies of the month. Right. And we can use these tarot cards to address certain things that are out uh, in the news right now that we'll do some tarot readings on and sure. astrological lookings at to see how things are going to play out. That sounds good, but uh, we're kicking off our first episode here with a paranormal story. Do you want to start us off? Sure. With our very first uh, ghost story of season four? Yes, I would be happy to, Holly. Excellent. We're going to be in Washington State Mm. for this one. I first heard about this story back, gosh, uh, it was on Coast to Coast. I think it was like Nate maybe the late 1990s. Was Art Bell still Um, the host? Yes, he was. And he was interviewing a guest, Mel Waters, who owned a secluded property in Manistash Ridge near Ellensburg in Washington State. Mel said he came across a mysterious hole that really spooked him. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know what? We've really, we've really progressed as a podcast because you would be making all kinds of jokes right now. I think that's, I just matured as a person. (laughs) I think that's what you're looking for. I didn't even go there. I didn't even go there. I can't even believe that. I let that one slip through my fingers. Okay, well, let me work on that then. All right, Um, well, you'll be thinking. Okay. Anyway, well, when he talked to his neighbors about the hole he found, other people said, you know what? That's a legend called the devil's hole. We've known about that (laughs) on your property for years. Ah, The devil's hole. Yeah, and it wasn't caused by Doritos Mm. that you were eating. No, no. Um, the native people of the area never wanted to go near it. They said that even the animals would stay away. The birds, the bees, the flies, they wouldn't fly over it. So is um, it like a well-sized it hole? It seems like that, okay. yeah. I was picturing and, a very small, you know, hole that, you know, lots of um, satanic-like things could happen in. <laughs> the what can happen it's in very very you know like very um dark i don't know like a fiery hole like some you know an orifices yes (laughs) like then it's kind of like that well 
so they said that, you know, these animals just were very leery of the hole. They would just stay away. And part of the legend was that early settlers would throw things into the hole. They would just, you know, vanish after they threw them in. And you would never hear anything hitting the bottom, which meant this hole went very, very deep. Have you ever seen the show Outer Limits or Outer Range? Outer Range. I have not. It's a show on Amazon about a guy who lives like in Wyoming or something on a ranch, finds a giant hole on his property and it's actually a wormhole. No, that yeah. sounds fascinating. It's pretty good. I liked it, actually. There's only been one season out so far and it stars... Um, Josh Brolin! Uh, he was in the Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of people in Goonies. I know his name. Uh, He's okay. a well-known actor. Anyway, you guys should look that up. It's pretty good. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, they might have gotten inspiration from Mel's hole. Maybe. So Mel started to experiment. And what he said was, this hole appeared to be made with bricks lining the walls of it and the outside rim. Um, and because of it possibly being bottomless, he used it as a way for him to just dump things in there like a garbage disposal. One summer, he did um, do an experiment where he would take a fishing line and attach a little weight to it. Then he would lower it until it hit the bottom um, just to see how deep it went and to measure it. But after really using a lot of different lines, he could never reach the bottom. He finally stopped trying at what he thought was around 80,000 feet deep. But geologists who heard his story claimed the deepest anyone has yet drilled is about 40,230 feet. And that is at the Kola Super Deep Borehole in Russia, also nicknamed the Well to Hell. Oh, okay. I remember this story. There were videos and audio tracks circulating online that supposedly showed workers at that hole drilling with their equipment, and they claimed to hear screaming voices from what people said are the souls of the damned or the chained-up fallen angels. Oh. They also were shown measuring extremely high temperatures of heat near the hole. So they're literally going to hell. <laughs> it, it seemed like it was a hole to hell yeah. and because, you know, you wouldn't get that hot of a temperature. They're in Siberia, so it would be pretty odd. But anyhow, that was debunked. Um, I think it was later determined that the audio tracks came from a horror movie. Oh, really? Yeah, some people like said, I think this oh. is where the audio tracks came. So oh, okay. Anyway, Mel, after his measurements, either must have lost count or he needs to submit this to the Guinness World Book of Records because yeah. that is quite the feat. He said he used 18 reels of fishing line, each one having about 5,000 feet of cord. Wow. One of the freakiest things is that when he would yell down into the hole, there was no echo. Mel claimed his own dogs would also show signs of being wary around the hole. They wouldn't go anywhere near it. Huh. He said sometimes um, there would be interference playing on his radio when he would bring it in the area next to the hole. Old-fashioned music would instead be playing on his talk radio station. It would also pick up other strange, unidentified noises and voices talking in the background. Creepy. Maybe... Yeah, maybe properties around the hole could make his signal stronger, and that mm. would explain the interference. Maybe it was picking up other stations or other people's devices in the area, but crazy stuff. Yeah. One day, Mel is out running some errands, and he runs into this guy in town. He starts talking to him about all the strange experiments he's doing at the hole. The man listens, and he exclaims, oh, yeah. 
I need to tell you this. My dog died a while back, and I just decided it would be a convenient place to dispose of his body. He then continues to tell a crazy story that his dog came back from the dead. Oh, okay. This is all pet cemetery vibes. Yeah. It was hunting season, and he was out in the woods waiting and watching for game to shoot. He sees his dog for just a quick moment running through the field, and it also had the same collar on. He was close enough that he also saw its little metal ID tag hanging on it, and he just knew it was his dog, the one he threw down into the hole. Now, I'd like to know, is the dog still alive? Has there been any more sightings? Does the dog eat? Or does the dog act like Cujo now? (laughs) All these things should be questions, you know, that you would ask if you're a paranormal investigator. But nobody has any more information on this part of the story. Mm. Um, All I read was that the dog wouldn't come to him when he called it by name. Mm. So maybe it's pissed that he threw him into the well. I mean, I would be. That's not really a proper burial. No, thanks a lot. All those years of loyal service to you. You just just chucked me me. into this devil hole. Exactly. Mel ended the interview without giving away the exact location of where the hole was. Um, He believed it was just to keep some sort of privacy um, so that there was no recourse to any accidents or tragedy that might happen if someone got hurt poking the hole. And this interview on Coast to Coast really created a lot of attention. Eventually, the story was checked out by local news reporters who said they found no public records indicating that Mel Waters ever lived in Kittitas County or in, you know, Mananesh uh, area. Nobody could get a hold of Mel. It was as if he disappeared or was perhaps a made up character. Mm. Later, though, Art Bell gets contacted again by Mel and he invites him back on the show. Mel claimed that there was a reason for the lack of any connection to him and the property. Mel said that the military, who must have heard the show or somebody in Intel, soon became aware of the story and decided to visit the property. Soon after the first show interview aired, Mel went out um, to the area where the hole was, and he found federal agents guarding that section of his property. They had closed it off from the public saying it was, you know, to keep people safe from approaching because there was a plane crash nearby. They claimed the wreckage was being gathered and investigated. Mel said there was no plane crash in the area. He didn't believe the story because the cleanup crew were wearing biohazard suits, so it couldn't be a regular aircraft crash. That's a tongue twister. (laughs) They were dressed for hazardous radiation or something coming out of that area. And when Mel said, hey, this is my property, I want to be let through, he was just told no. He would face penalties and they just wouldn't allow it. Mm. The government then tried to lease the land from him, bribing him off of it completely by telling him they could just make him disappear. Mm. They would transfer him to Australia and take care of him financially if he would just cooperate and keep his lips shut about everything that happened, promising not to discuss the event any longer. Mel said he did end up going to Australia, Mm -hmm. but he only stayed there about two years because when he went there, well, there were scarier things he witnessed in Australia than his bottomless hole. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that, that you does. and I have talked about Australia before and how it would be terrifying to go Yes, there. Yeah, yeah, for us, for sure. <laughs> Snakes, uh, spiders, no thank you. He probably just missed the Great Northwest. So 
He eventually comes back to Washington. He said he was taking a Greyhound bus for the rest of the trip to check on his home when men grabbed him off the bus and said, nope, you're coming with us. But after that, he said he has no recollection of what happened to him. The next thing he knows is that someone finds him wandering the streets in San Francisco, and he looks like he got the shit kicked out of him. Huh. He has several back molars missing. What? There was IV needle marks on his arm, and he had absolutely no memory of anything that happened to him after they got him off that bus. So he's telling all this to Art Bell. Yes. His bank accounts have been frozen. His Australian pet refuge for wombats was shut down. I guess he was into saving the wombat okay. in Australia. So he had to get his nephew to wire him some money so he could eventually go back home and straighten out this mess. But when he went back home, he started getting harassed again. He said there were men showing up on his property dressed in black, seemed to know everything he was doing. It was as if they were surveilling his every move. And there was no privacy. So in regard to getting his land back, the government said no. The land where the hole is located is under federal control. And the old boundaries of his property was erased from the early mapping system, which was part of Google Earth. Um, I think it was called the Terra server. It predated Google Earth, but it's basically the same thing. Listening to this interview, it appears he's been severely mistreated. Mel claimed to have sold his property and won't disclose the location of the hole still. Uh, because, you know, that would just really solve credibility issues. If he could just tell the location, we could go find it and yeah. say, okay, he's telling the truth. That's my, as you've been talking, I've been thinking to myself, mm -hmm. is this guy just off his meds? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A radio station goes out to try and find the hole in the area and they can't find it. And what they do find though in the general area is somewhat creepy. They find evidence of blueprints and paperwork from a government agency. Well, that's weird. Yes. Hmm. So Ken Cooper, who spoke to the Tri-City Herald in 1997, said that the paperwork must have been from their training exercises. They are not investigating any hole or plane crash, but it gets even more bizarre. Okay. Supposedly, Mel becomes obsessed with finding holes. Okay. Okay. It's become his quest now. Okay. He thinks that there are others all over the world. And a few years later, he comes back onto the show and he tells Art Bell that indeed he's found another bottomless hole in the Badlands of Nevada. Okay. So what's the chance of this? That's like lightning striking twice. Yeah. I so know. Mel claims <clears throat> that instead of a brick lining surrounding the rim of this hole, the one in Nevada has a thick metal ring around the entrance and also extends down into the hole as far as he could see. Okay. Mel said he also um, came upon some people who said, you know, there used to be these monuments uh, around the hole, kind of like Stonehenge. Uh -huh. um, they're no longer there. So he decided, along with the local people, to continue his experiments, and he discovered many of the same properties. One experiment he said they did was to throw some ice in a bucket, lower it down into the hole about 1,500 feet. And what's strange is that the property of the ice didn't melt, but when they brought it back up, it was warm to the touch. Well, that reminds me of those icy hot packs, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> huh. <laughs> so it got hotter. Mm-hmm. And did you say it melted? 
It did not melt. It did not melt. Mm -hmm. And he said it had properties making it uh, flammable also. So Mel said the metal surrounding the rim stayed warm throughout the entire year. So a lot of the nomadic people who lived around there in the Basque community would situate their tents because it would spread warmth in the air. Almost like a campfire without the fire. Right. His next experiment was to try the dog reanimation theory. So this time they decided to lower a sheep down into the hole. Oh, what? A live sheep. Oh, my God. (laughs) Does the sheep have a GoPro on it or what's going on? I I don't know. but I'm reporting from the hole. Right. (laughs) They they put him in a wooden crate. Mel said this was really traumatic and he really regrets doing that to any animal because the sheep was in trauma. It was not going to go anywhere near the hole. They had a really tough time trying to round up this would, poor creature. What would be the point? To see if it would survive? They just wanted to re repeat the experiment. Yeah, to see what would happen. So when they finally captured it, they lowered it, wooden crate and all, down into the hole. And they said it almost had a heart attack before <gasps> they could even do the experiment. This poor animal was lowered oh, 1,500 feet, the same amount of distance as that bucket of ice. And they said they could all hear it screaming and shrieking in agony. It was obviously fighting to get free, get out of that hole, and then they hear nothing. It was complete silence. Oh, no. Mel said, the surface of the pit then seemed to take on some sort of vibration with a humming noise getting louder and louder. Everyone around them started freaking out, and they all ran away terrified. They didn't pull the sheep back up. No, they were so terrified. Oh, my God. After a while, they all were like, okay, okay. You think everything's, you know, back to normal. Let's go check. So they finally get the courage to go back. And Mel and the people who were doing this, you know, decided enough time had passed. And they came back to the hole, pulled up the sheep. And it appeared like it had been cooked in a microwave from the inside out. The sheep was dead. God. The sheep also had a very strange pulsating tumor on the side of its body. Oh my God. And so they were like, well, there's something living inside of it. So they decide to cut it open. Now, this sounds like my worst horror movie, like aliens or something, doesn't it? Yes. According to Mel, what they found inside was a living fetal cell, like a creature that resembled like a seal a baby seal with eyeballs wiggling at them. What? Yeah. And what seemed just to be a few seconds, the thing stared around and then leapt out of the side of the sheep and back down into the hole. <laughs> I have like deja vu. We talked about this on a paranormal paranoid news episode, but I couldn't find it. Oh, so. yeah. But I somehow like rem- maybe I've read this story before. This I don't part. remember you reading the story. before. Well, I know I heard the initial interview on Coast to Coast. So maybe yeah. like I might have heard this one, too. Huh. Uh, Mel said he'd been diagnosed with cancer and he later discovered his cancer had been healed and he attributed it back to this incident with that creature. Local sheep herders also in the area claimed to have seen the creature from time to time and felt a benevolent intelligence coming from it. The recording of the creature's voice was unintelligible, so nobody really could determine the validity of what was speaking. They couldn't pinpoint what it was. One of, well, I don't think seals even talk, do they? It sounds like a cartoon character. It sounds really bizarre. Yeah. One of Mel's neighbors said he saw a flashlight beam coming out from the hole And instead of it being white light, it was a dark, inky black. Again, though, 
you know, when pushed by Art Bell, <laughs> Mel won't disclose the location of the new hole he yeah. found in Nevada. Yeah, come on. Yeah, Mel. he said it was being controlled by the Federal Bureau of Land Management. Well, that's convenient. Mm -hmm. There are so many skeptics, including us, saying these stories are fiction. He probably made it up based on an old mining shaft that is in a nearby area of Ellensburg. Mm. But there have been many stories rumored of a deep bottomless hole with strange properties that have circulated in this region before Mel's story. In fact, a Native American shaman who calls himself Red Elk told a Seattle TV station Como News that he had seen the hole too and experienced the very strange paranormal phenomenon way back in 1961. Huh. He was really upset that they were calling it a lie, a made-up story. In 2002, a Seattle Times reporter met up with Red Elk, who disclosed his real name as Gerald Osborne. Did he show him where the hole was? Well, he set out to find the hole, uh -huh. um, and he was sure he could find his way back to the site. He said the indigenous people felt it was about 28 miles deep and was part of an underground tunnel system that connected to Mount Rainier and also served as an alien base. Oh, I've heard that before. Yes. But the expedition led by Red Elk was a bust. He was not able to find it. And finally admitted the location was still a bit fuzzy in his mind because it was so long ago when he went there. Yeah. And he had a feeling they probably covered it up or disguised it in some way especially if it was being controlled by the government. Right. Now, another Washington local who grew up in the area by the name of Jay Nickel also confirmed the stories are true. When he was just a teenager, he said he stumbled across the hole when he was hiking. Believers in the story say that Google Maps shows white blocks covering a large area where Mel said he owned his property. Red Elk believes this hole is disguised now covered up with a shed or something by the military. However, there is a nuclear site nearby and there is military training facilities in the area for national security reasons. Perhaps Google may have, you know, blocked out that area. I would think that's a good reason. Yeah. The last information received by Mel Waters was posted by someone saying it was him on a site called Whales in Space website. <laughs> Whales in Space. That sounds like a very credible <laughs> website to me. In the letter, which you can read exactly as quoted by mysteriousuniverse.org on their website, states, Mel returned to Australia to rebuild his wombat refuge, saying he accepted a huge bribe from the Bureau of Land Management in regard to the hole in Washington. And he has made an agreement with the U.S. government. But he goes on to say, the second hole in Nevada is sacred to the local culture of the Basque people living there. I guess there's a small group of Basque people that migrated there a long time ago. Mm. He tells people that someday he hopes there is a way he can reveal the truth in a better way to show specifically everything he said was true. Well, yes, that is what you need to do. He then tells people the risk, though, is too great for him to prove his story. So he learned from his experience, it's better just to take the money and run <laughs> rather than get your teeth knocked out and end up wandering the streets of Las Vegas. I wonder if, how many people we see outside, like with their brains gone, is actually, you know, hiding wonderful paranormal discoveries. Maybe. I don't know. There's probably quite a few. 
There's a song that was written about the bottomless hole, which was performed by the Handsome family and released on their album Singing Bones in 2003. The Handsome family. Yeah, I've, I got a clip of it. I'm trying to find a clip for it so that Josh can maybe play a tiny part. Okay. Um, I, I think that would be fun. Now, the second hole in Nevada might make some people recall the Manson trials, Charles Manson, where he and his, quote, family made claims several times of a bottomless pit in Nevada, where he said they would all fight the apocalyptic war. Maybe Charles Manson did discover the hole and it messed up his brain and possessed his soul. There's also a bottomless pit that people have claimed monsters have escaped from and other hellish creatures. It is underneath a castle called Huska Castle in the Czech Republic. The hole is supposed to be found under the floor in the chapel, and the castle was built in the mid-13th century to prevent anyone else having access to it. I think the owner of the castle wanted it to dispose of his prisoners. That would be quite... That would be creepy. Quite the punishment. Interesting. One legend said that some of the prisoners were bribed their freedom if they were willing to be lowered down into it to explore what might be down there. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Yes. It is reported that one prisoner who was pulled up just after a short period of time had aged 30 years. Oh, my God. All I know is that holes that deep would eventually have to come out in China. Do you remember, like, all the kids growing up would try to dig a hole to China? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, geologists say a bottomless hole could not exist. It would eventually collapse in on itself. But, of course, a paranormal bottomless hole would defy any laws of physics. Now, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course it would. Don't you love paranormal stories? You can't (laughs) ever, like... Gotta get some quantum scientists. Yeah. They'll tell you how this works. They'll tell you exactly how it works. That's right. So that's my bottomless hole stories. Wow. Those are really creepy. Yes. Yeah. Well, it sounds to me like your friend Mel Waters is just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, I I, think. I think so, too. If he could produce the hole or the location of the hole that was verified, then maybe. But without the hole, hole he ain't got nothing. Yeah. Yeah, but they're still creepy stories. Still a great story. Super creepy. I remember really being affected by the story when I first listened to it many, many years ago. Yeah, it's interesting. And I wonder, do you think Art Bell believed him? I think it was good for ratings. I think it it stirred a lot of explorations. I mean, there were people probably trespassing oh, in yeah. that area trying yeah. to find the hole. I looked it up here. It's right. looks like Ellensburg is right in the middle of the state of Washington. I see. Just directly south of Leavenworth, which is a very cute oh, little town. It's like a little Bavarian, like yeah, German village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my daughter went to Leavenworth at Christmas time mm-hmm. and they have a fantastic light uh, ambiance. Yeah, it's um, super cute. Sledding up there. It's super cute. It's just east of Seattle. Mm-hmm. I don't know by how Long, but looking at the map, I'd say at least a couple hours drive east of Seattle, directly north of Ellensburg. So there you go. But if you come to Washington and you want to go to a cute little town, go to Levensworth, but then don't go to Ellensburg because you might fall into a hole. <laughs> you might find a hole, but you might end up in another world. <laughs> you might find up battling demons from the he- or hells. Yeah. Or if you're a kid and you're looking to grow 30 years older yeah, overnight, there you go. Oh, there you go. Um, 
I, I wanted to ask people, uh, do you do I sound like I have a lisp when I'm talking? No, I've never noticed that. Okay. Cause, Why? Well, I uh, fractured a tooth yes, uh, during I, our break. Yeah. And I know that. So it's one of my speaking teeth like if that's such a thing but it's in the front (laughs) yeah and i have like a flipper tooth i have to have an implant a flipper tooth so my flipper tooth makes my tongue kind of hit wrong oh and so i feel like it's changing my speech oh i don't think i noticed i think it sounded fine okay i think you sound fine all right well thank you that boosts my confidence (laughs) (laughs) good I'm excited to hear your story. Well, good. I'm excited to tell my story. Whoop, whoop. Mine is also in the Pacific Northwest. I'm doing Ghosts of Southern Oregon. Oh, that's something to be scared of already. I know. It's already scary. (laughs) Apologies to Southern Oregon. Well, I got a book for my birthday from The Rock. Um, and it's called The Big Book of Oregon Ghost Stories by Janice Oberding. And so I got some of my content from that book, which was pretty good. Um, I'm proud of you, Holly. Thank you. You're reading stories. I'm starting to read <laughs> books now. <laughs> Yay. I'm really getting into this. Um, so the first, and I thought, you know, you and I have talked about how fun it would be to put together like paranormal road trips or travel packages. Oh, absolutely. So um, for anyone who would be interested in a coming to Oregon yeah. and doing a little paranormal road trip, here's going to be my suggestions, uh, places you can go. These are all in Southern Oregon. They're all within a couple hours of each other for the most part. I've got on here Crater Lake. I've got Golden, Oregon, which is a ghost town. I've got the Chateau at the Oregon Caves. I got the Oregon Vortex and the House of Mystery. Oh, that's Those fun. are all right next to each other. I mean, in the general vicinity of the state of Oregon. So you can come here, yeah. rent a car, and yeah. go on a super awesome road trip. And then for some culture, you can go down to Ashland yeah. and do the Shakespeare Festival. That's right. And Ashland also has ghost stories. I love stories. Ashland. They Oregon. also have yeah. some ghost stories in Ashland. I didn't cover Ashland for this uh, episode, but yeah, you could even add in an Ashland experience for <laughs> sure. That's a very cute town. Very cute. All right. So let's begin. We're going to kick this off with Golden, Oregon. Uh, Carol, did you know that Oregon has more ghost towns in our state than any other state in the United States? No, I love this. Yeah. I love facts. We have more than 200 ghost towns oh, in the wow. state of Oregon. And one of those ghost towns is the town of Golden in Southern Oregon. And Golden most likely got its name from the fact that a little gold was discovered in the creeks nearby and that attracted numerous gold miners to the town. So Golden was also used in a few episodes during the golden age of television and the classic TV show Bonanza when they shot a few episodes there. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. And I even have in my notes theme scene theme song. So you got that. <laughs> so the town. So yeah, that's uh, just imagine that playing in the background as I tell you the rest of the story here. So the town was founded in the early 1840s by a minister named William Rubel, who had a penchant for living a strictly pure lifestyle and making sure everyone in his town did the same. In order to save the souls of the gold-seeking miners, Rubel had two churches built in the town and zero saloons, so no one in the town of Golden was allowed to drink, dance, or party, which makes it pretty clear why Golden is a ghost town today. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Most people wouldn't wouldn't settle for that. No, not so much. I think Kevin Bacon needs to visit this place and shake things up a bit. A little bit of footloose is called for in this town. So anyway, after Ruble died and everyone left town, Golden turned into a proper ghost town and strange things started to happen in the area. Paranormal investigators believe that Ruble and some of his angry flock still roam the town in order to make sure that no one is having any fun. In her book, <laughs> in her book, The Big Book of Oregon Ghost Stories, author Janice Oberdine says that a young couple was passing through the town of Golden and stopped to take a few photos of a few of the structures that are still standing today. For instance, the general store, one of the two churches, an old house, and a shed. So as they were trying to walk around the town and take photos, there was a dark cloaked figure that appeared and started following them around, which is pretty creepy. And they couldn't tell the figure was a man or a woman because it was just too far away. And they even yelled at the figure or the person to leave them alone. However, when the wife tried to take a picture of the cloaked figure with her phone, the figure started to growl at them. And then it turned and just disappeared into thin air. That's creepy very good very good story i know it's good and here's another thing about golden it is located very close to the oregon vortex in the house of mystery which have you been there before you know i can't remember i i know about it yeah i've been there once i don't think so i went through the trees of mystery that's in california I and think. oh was it no, okay. North, like northern california i think it's the trees of mystery okay no then i have not okay The Oregon Vortex and the House of Mystery are a spot in Southern Oregon where 15, 1, 5, 15 ley lines cross together. Mm. So I don't know. I didn't know what a ley line was. but PowerPoint. Yeah. So according to the website, All That's Interesting, ley lines are lines that crisscross, and I'm quoting here, lines that crisscross around the globe like latitudinal and longitudinal lines but these lines are dotted with mountains and natural landforms and carry along with them rivers of supernatural energy. Along these lines at the places that they intersect, there are pockets of concentrated energy that can be harnessed by certain individuals, end quote. I like that description. It's kind of interesting. That really sums it up. And so they'll, and- if, you, if you look into ley lines, they'll show you where there are certain monuments around the globe that are actually are built built on, on one line so you'll see something in germany that's a straight line to something in egypt that's a straight line to something in south america that's and it just wraps around it's really weird and it seems like you know stonehenge is in line with this which is in line with that which right is, it was in line with the pyramids yeah. which is in line with the pyramids in mexico right and all of that right yeah. uh, very compelling yeah to know that they knew about that kind of thing right and then the fact that there are is energy that's associated with these lines that people can tap into well this oregon vortex which is in southern oregon there's 15 of these ley lines that come together so that's a big pocket of supernatural energy (laughs) um so golden the town i'm referring to is only about 35 miles by foot if without having to get onto a freeway um from the oregon vortex so it's very close to the oregon vortex Keep that in mind as I tell you that Golden was visited a few years back by your good friend, Zach Baggins, and his Ooh. Scooby-Doo gang of ghost hunters. <laughs> Scooby-Doo gang. <laughs> in season 17, episode one of Ghost Adventures, you too can see the investigation that takes place of Golden, Oregon. Uh, did you know there are 26 seasons of Ghost Adventures? <laughs> 
That's a lot of adventures. That's a lot. That's too many adventures. I didn't no. even know that they had made that many of them. That's I'm like, really? Lot. That's a lot of investigating that they've been yeah. doing. Uh, during the investigation. A lot of screaming at ghosts. <laughs> at, what was that? What was that? I just felt a cold breeze. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Uh, so anyway, during the investigation at Golden, Zach talked to an archbishop named James Cloud and asked him if he believed that the ghost town was haunted. Cloud confirmed his suspicions that, yes, of course it's haunted. <laughs> but they mainly are in the cloud. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They're joking. in the cloud. Uh, so Cloud is you know, the archbishop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cloud then said he had been punched in the stomach when he had entered the church earlier in the day. Wow. Which was crazy because Aaron, one of Zach's ghost hunting game members, said he had stomach cramps just as they arrived at the town before they even met the arch- archbishop. What are the odds? <laughs> I love how they're like connecting all the other. You had stomach pains and he got punched in the stomach. He got punched in the stomach. What are the possibilities? Ghost obviously does not like our (laughs) stomachs. Digestion. No, not at all. No. Cloud also confirmed that there were rumors of occult practices being held in that old church in Golden, Oregon. Um, as Zach and the Archbishop discuss this inside the church, Zach turns on his EVP recorder or his electronic voice phenomenon recorder to see if they could pick up anything on the recorder. Um, they could both feel a heavy energy in the church. Uh, Zach's recorder captured a hissing sound. Whatever. Uh, the I, I, I don't mean to be skeptical. I mean, some of the stuff they find might be yeah. kind of compelling, mm-hmm. but a lot of it, it's a reality show. I think a lot of it's scripted, mm-hmm. but I just thought I would watch them um, investigate Golden because it's the story I'm doing and I wanted to see what they would find. So some of yeah. it I'm going to be really skeptical about, of course. So mm-hmm. the archbishop tells Zach that there are multiple, multiple witchcraft sects in the area and they all practice in the woods around the town. He, hmm. he believed that these witches are summoning evil spirits. And again, we are not anti-witch here. We like witches. I think Wicca is really just um, Tuning a connection into to nature. Energies. So it would make sense you would have Wiccans in the woods because that's where nature is, right? Yeah. And so I don't know. Yeah. But of course, he's an archbishop, so he might have a different perspective on this. I don't know. Well, especially if they're... If- He's feeling negative entities, entities that are attacking you and punching you in the stomach. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I would be questioning who's in my woods. Yeah. And also some of these people may not be on the up and up. Right. They might have nefarious intentions. Yeah. Who knows? So Zach then talks to a few other paranormal investigators who are from the area, both of which have had some negative experiences with this property. One said that she was possessed by an evil spirit when she was there previously, and she also experienced stomach pains, which is pretty funny. Uh, The archbishop's wife was also present and said she too had experienced stomach pains. So again, stomach pains, stomach pains, stomach pains. As Zach talks to the investigators, he starts acting weird. (laughs) This is really kind of creepy. And if you're going to watch, this is what you would, the best part to watch for. Um, He gets a creepy smile on his face and he says he feels really good. He even has a creepy laugh. (laughs) It's just creepy. He just starts acting changes. Yeah, he kind of changes. He then goes outside. Yeah, it's weird. He then goes, and again, is he playing it up for the cameras? I don't don't know. Who knows? So you have to get to 26 seasons somehow, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes outside and then he kind of shakes off his weird mood. 
He tells everyone that they should just call it a night before things get too crazy. They're all getting combative with each other. And so anyway, they all leave. The next day, after Zach had found out about the witch groups in the area, he reached out to one group that had over 100 members to see if they'd be willing to come on camera and talk about their experiences with the town. But they declined, apparently. So we didn't get to hear their perspective. 100 members is a lot. It's a lot. It's a big group. Yeah, it is a big group. Uh, the next day, Zach and his team visit the Oregon Vortex in the House of Mystery and get their own personal tour of the place. Their tour guide shows them how they can. Um, so I've been there before and um, I went through kind of this part. I don't remember this first thing that she showed them, but um, she says you can like the the vortex energy is so strong that you can actually lean like you're one way one way and it will hold the energy will hold you up. Oh, wow. It's weird. I know I've seen like videos where people will roll an apple. Yeah. And it goes up. And it goes yeah. the wrong way. Yeah. Or it goes a different a way different than direction. what physics should take it. Right. In that house. Right. Yeah. So it's like the properties work against you or, yeah. or it's magnetized in a polar opposite direction. Right. So that's why everything looks weird and it's all kind of flipped on its head. And then yeah. the house of mystery is like an old shack. It's just leaning to one side, but it doesn't fall down because it's being held up by the energy or it's being wow. pushed by the energy in a certain way. It's really weird. Okay. I remember when I was there, um, I was there with my nieces and my niece and my nephew, my sister and her husband. And I remember this on our tour. Um, the tour guide had them line up in a row on a flat piece of board, which they confirmed was flat with a leveler. Okay. And she had, um, she stood by not one guy and he measured where she hit him on his shoulder. So she was shorter than him. And then she went to his other side and she was taller than him. <laughs> what? She wasn't taller than him, but she was taller. So you're shorter on the left and you're taller on the right, but you're on a flat piece of ground. So there's no reason you should change in height, but you do. So it's like the house of mirrors. Yeah, almost. It's, it's weird. And I remember like an optical illusion. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have said there's a lot of optical illusions there. I remember when I was there with my niece and nephew and we did that height test mm -hmm. and it was, it was kind of weird. It was like, Oh, okay. I'd like um, to be taller. Yeah. I know it was weird. So during the investigation, Zach asked the tour guide if she had heard that there had been a cool activity in the area. And she said, absolutely, yes. She knows for a fact that this is true. She didn't say how she knew, but she said she does know for sure. He then says, do you think they are attracted to this area because the ley line energy intersect? And she said, yes. Oh, yeah. The ley lines attract these witches and occultists. So Zach and his team returned to Golden and they set up their cameras all over the town to get ready for another night of investigations. They set up a tent in the middle of the town with their monitors and their walkie-talkies and other ghost hunting equipment. Just after they get set up, they catch somebody walking between the buildings in the dark with their thermal cameras and all of them are in the tent. So it can't be one of them. Okay. So Zach sends two of his teammates out there to investigate if there was someone actually out there, but to no avail, there is no one. Huh. So the two teammates that he sends out there, they go into the general store to see if the person may be ducked in there. And as they are in there, Aaron, once again, 
gets another serious pain. This time it's in his neck and he's like crumpled up on the ground. He's like, oh my God, this is so painful. Oh, so the guy he's with tells Aaron to get out of the building. But then Zach walkie talkies him and says, no, stay there. No, it's, <laughs> you have to, you have to enjoy pain to be part of his crew. Uh, yeah. Every episode, every episode, care. somebody gets violently attacked. And he's like, that's fine. Like, just scars, keep rolling. Just keep rolling. Punches. Yeah. I know. He's like, you're throwing fine. Up. Don't yeah. be a baby. Just keep rolling. We're with paying. <laughs> you're going to stay there. Take it like a real it's man. Pretty funny. So Zach and then so after that, Zach and another ghost hunter go back into another building where they find a shadow figure against the wall that is not moving. They can see it with their special ghost hunting camera. As they are filming it, they ask it if it is William Rubel. After they ask this question, the figure starts moving towards them. And a gust of cold air overtakes them. So now who's <laughs> William Rubel again? He's the guy that fed on the town. He was oh, the minister right. who said, the you're min- not going to drink, you're not going to dance, you're not going to party. Yeah, the grumpy dude. God-fearing town. Mm-hmm. You have two churches so you can go and repent your sins. Like, that's the guy. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, this gold, cold, blah, cold gust of air overtakes them. So after Zach vacates the creepy spot with the shadow figure, he goes and he finds Aaron again. Um, he was not done torturing Aaron. So he locks Aaron inside the church against Aaron's will. Aaron accuses Zach through the door of locking him inside. Zach denies it, though it's very clear that's exactly what he's doing. (laughs) Aaron does his best not to panic, but starts to ask questions to whatever quote-unquote entity is there with him in the church. There's a camera on him inside the church, and it picks up a black mist that's flowing over some of the church pews. Finally, after begging to be let out, Aaron just opens a window and hops out, much to Zach's disappointment. It's kind of funny. Uh, Other than a few more weird things like heavy breathing on their walkie-talkies, a fading camera that can't keep its focus, and a deer that scares the shit out of them, that's about all they find in Golden, Oregon. <laughs> That's still a lot. It's still a lot. I mean, the creepy black mist and yeah. the shadow figure just leaning against the wall. Yeah. And that well, is spooky. And just all the occults in the area uh-huh. practicing in the woods. Mm-hmm. The ley line energy is kind of interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of a fun. It will be a fun thing for you to see on your Southern Oregon Absolutely. road trip. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So the next one uh, I want to talk about is the Oregon Cave Chateau. I like Chateau. Chateau. Uh, in 1934, the Oregon Cave Chateau opened at the Oregon Caves National Monument and Preserve. The chateau sits at the base of the Oregon Cave that was discovered in 1874 and is made of marble, I guess. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a unique thing. I have been there. This was also, I've been to this cave. And, I bet and, it has really good acoustics. Yeah. For singing. You should go there and sing sometime mm-hmm. and see what happens. That'd be fun. Because of its unique features, the chateau was built to accommodate tourists who were interested in touring the cave. The chateau is a six-floor hotel made of exposed wood, fireplaces built out of large rock and covered in tree bark to give it a dark brown woodsy appearance. The chateau sits atop a stream with its foundation on either sides of its banks, and the stream flows through the building, I guess. I don't think I went in there when I was there before, so I don't remember seeing that. I've never seen this place. It yeah. Sounds very interesting. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, because the chateau is nearly 100 years old, surrounded by the winds of the forest and the bubbling brook, it creates creaky old spooking sounds when the weather outside pounds against it, making it the perfect setting for a ghost story. This is, I'm sorry, this is from National Parks Traveler. And it's an, an article called, Is the Chateau at Oregon Caves National Monument Haunted? 
Elizabeth and her new husband were honeymooning at the chateau back in the 1930s. On the evening of their wedding night, he took leave of her, and when he didn't return, she went looking for him. Shortly after, she found him in a passionate embrace with one of the chateau's chambermaids. <gasps> distraught over his this, <laughs> um, distraught over this discovery, Elizabeth fled to her small top floor room number 310. Some say her new husband rushed up to the room when they argued and in anger he shoved her out the window. But most say that she was alone in the room and in her anguish she leapt to her death from the window. Room 310 is an attic style room with a dormer window set high in the steep roof of the chateau. The window fully opens by swinging into the room over the bed making it very easy to climb from the bed or be pushed from it out onto the roof. Once Elizabeth was out the window there was little hope for her. She would have slid quickly down the very steep, rain-slick shingles to the edge of the upper roof. From there, she would have dropped one floor, crashing onto the roof of the shed dormer below. Dazed by the fall and clawing frantically at the slick shingles of the shed dormer roof, she struggled against a horrifying slide to the edge, off to which she fell five stories past the large picture windows in the lobby to a bone-crushing impact on the Rocky Creek bed below. Yeah, why would you do that? I think she got pushed out the window. (laughs) It is said that as a result of her untimely death at the chateau, Elizabeth's ghost haunts the building. As ghosts go, Elizabeth is not the friendliest one. The good news is that she doesn't stick around to bug you if you check into quote-unquote her room. Whenever a guest checks in, she leaves the room and wanders the hallways. She is said to go. Um, she is said to often go hide in the third floor linen closet, where she moans and cries. Sometimes she visits the kitchen, where she expresses her displeasure by dropping stuff on the kitchen help's head, particularly aiming for those employees who dismiss her story or otherwise show her disrespect. Is this still written by the same lady? That's all from that article, and I had tried to rewrite it, but it was so well written that I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give her the nod because I don't. I don't think what I wrote was better. (laughs) (laughs) It is believed the Chateau will book every room in the hotel before they will book room 310 to ensure that they do not disturb Elizabeth. And I did say... That's nice of them. Yeah. I did say when her room is booked, she tends to leave the people in the room alone. She goes down the hallway to the linen closet and you can hear her crying from the cupboard. She has been spotted by guests wandering the halls, crying over her unfaithful husband. And many guests complain of feeling spooked on that floor. So anyway, that's where you can stay when you're in Southern Oregon. You can go to the Chateau, request room room 310 and see if you can walk by the linen cupboard listening for her to cry. Listening to moaning from (laughs) the linen closet. That's right. right. (laughs) My last stop in our our little tour of Southern Oregon is Crater Lake, which I think a lot of people have heard of. It's beautiful. Um, It's a very beautiful spot. Mm -hmm. The the water is a stunning color. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, About 8,000 years ago, Matt... About 8,000 years ago, Mount Mazama in southern Oregon decided to blow up. She erupted her volcanic ash into the air, 150 times more ash than the eruption of Mount St. Helens in 1980. Wow. 150 times more. Uh, She left a big crater in the middle of the mountain. Over time, this crater filled with ice, rain, and snow melt, creating a lake inside the belly of the mountain. The lake was appropriately named Crater Lake. It is the deepest lake in the United States at 1,949 feet deep and the third deepest in the world. 
Hmm. The Klamath Indian tribe believed that Mount Mazama blew up because two spirits were at war with each other. The spirit defeated the other by tearing him into pieces and throwing his body into the lake. As a result, one of the two islands in the lake, Wizard Island, is thought to be the head of the defeated spirit. Therefore, the Klamath tribe has always thought that Crater Lake was a dangerous place. And if you get too close to the water's edge, which is not easy to access, you would be pulled into the water by the water devils and pulled down to the bottom. I wonder if there's any truth to that. Like if there is a dangerous element there's to that a, lake. A lot of weird stories around Crater Lake. A lot of people have been, well, I'll get into that now. Okay. But yeah, it's there's a lot of weird paranormal stuff around this area. Crater Lake has been known to be a hot spot for Bigfoot sightings and UFOs. In one story, park rangers had spotted an animal of some sort that resembled a man walking on two legs, covered in hair, and huge in size. They followed it for a while until it started throwing pine cones at them. <laughs> then they headed back to their base, which is totally something Bigfoot would do. That is. Yeah. Bigfoot likes to throw things. He does. To get you Leave to me leave. alone. Yep. Bam. <laughs> like, you know, if you throw a rock at a dog, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of thing. UFOs have been spotted above the lake and even seen diving into the lake itself, sparking rumors of some kind of alien base below the waters. If you Mm. think about it, it's deep enough. You can't see all the way down there. Yeah. In fact, many strange air disasters have happened at Crater Lake, including in 1944, there were two planes flying over the lake. One of the planes disappeared out of nowhere. It was a clear day and there were no complications with the flight. They eventually determined that the plane crashed into the lake and sunk to the bottom. Though if they ever actually found the plane, I have no idea. Oh, wow. So that's kind of weird. Then there had been many reports of people being seen on Wizard Island, having a big fire with smoke and flames being seen from the edge of the crater. Mm -hmm. And when the rangers are called in to investigate, because they're not supposed to be out there, they find no one on the island and no evidence of any fires. Okay, that is really trippy. Yeah, it's kind of weird. This has happened on multiple occasions with the rangers never finding anything. In fact, I think the rangers have even seen it and gone out there and they're not there. There have also been multiple sightings of dragon-like monsters under the water, much like the Loch Ness Monster. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And there is also the old man log that has been bobbing up and down in the lake since at least 1896, if not longer. When people have removed this log from the lake or just moved it in the lake, the weather will change. It gets very dark and stormy. And when the log is replaced, the weather comes back down. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, isn't that weird? And so this log just never rots out. I it's guess just not. I been guess not. in the lake. There's photos of it and everything. But they they've even had I think they've read in journals from explorers that they've described that very log being in the lake and bobbing around in there. And it, it's from 1896. Fascinating. Yeah. I have never heard so these weird. stories. And in addition to that, there have been numerous murders, suicides, car accidents, people getting lost and perishing in the woods around the lake. So anyway, that's my tour of the paranormal of Southern Oregon. I love it. So like I said, you can go see Crater Lake. You can start in Crater Lake, drive around the lake, and and there's a place to stay there too, or you can camp there. Yeah, there's a lodge, right? There is a lodge, Mm -hmm. I believe. Then you can get onto the road, head on down to the Oregon Vortex and the House of Mystery. You can go around the corner to the Choteau at the Oregon Caves, or you can go off the 
to uh, Golden, Oregon, which is just up I-5. So yeah, there's plenty for you to do and investigate in Southern Oregon. So get get at it, everybody. Great story. Thank you very much. And that's all I got for you on uh, Southern Oregon. All right. Well, that's a wrap. In order to save the souls of the gold mine, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> we got to warm up day. our chops. Got to put some green day in there. They define ley lines as lines that crisscross around the globe, like latitude. I knew I was going to fuck this up. She got blah. Sorry, Josh. Elizabeth turned around, back down the hallway to her room. Tur- no, no. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.